I'll stay on the porch Blow the whistle Blow the whistle Blow the whistle Blow the whistle Where you get that from? Grab a mic, spit one Let me hit that blind Pimp C, 8 ball and MJG Keep spitting that P to the IMP Bun B, that's Texas, baby Ballin' G, that's Memphis, baby Short dog, that's Business and Buckets, we are live on this beautiful Friday morning in the Valley, and I am your host, Shane Gillette, aka Razor, aka Shane motherfucking Gillette, and we got episode 126 coming at you, because tomorrow in Miami, we got UFC 287, one of the most anticipated fights in UFC history, in my opinion. Israel Adesanya, Alex Pieta, Poetan, Stylebender. It's about to go down. And we also have to talk about some things that happened in MMA last week. A little bit of PFL action, some game-bred boxing, uh, Bellator. So plenty to talk about on this show. And I can't wait to break down the card, give you guys my picks. So let's get it going. But before we talk MMA, we're talking the one and only sponsor here at Business and Buckets. And that is Fueled Supplements. So, fellas, performance is at the top of the list in all categories of our lives. That's why you need counterattack from Fueled Supplements. Their advanced on-cycle and post-cycle standalone formula is so much more than the average testosterone booster. Counterattack combats estrogen production, supports liver, kidney, and heart health, as well as boosts sex drive, energy levels, and lean muscle mass. So let's face it, we all want to feel like a young, energized version of ourselves. Um, so increase vitality inside and outside the gym with counterattack. The missus will thank you guys for it. Go to fueledsupplements.com. Use my promotion code buckets for 15% off. Once again, buckets, B-U-C-K-E-T-S. And like I've always said, going to beat the drum. If you're trying to get juiced up this summer, looking that beach ready, you're buying supplements, some fat burners, some protein, whatever it is. Just go to the, uh, your Safari, your Google Chrome, type in fieldsupplements.com. You'll see high-quality products, great pricing, get a discount while doing so, and you're helping support small business. That's what it's all about. That's the American dream. So let's make it happen. So it's Friday, a little late for my podcast, for my liking. Uh, I like to get it Wednesday or Thursday give you plenty of time to digest what I'm going to tell you before the UFC action. But I went to the Do- or Diamondbacks Dodgers home opener here in uh, Phoenix. That was a ton of fun last night. Good little game. Uh, pretty big crowd. One of the bigger crowds I've seen, obviously, besides the USA-Mexico WBC game I saw. This past weekend, I had my squad from Montana come out and celebrate my buddy Dylan Moran's 30th birthday with the rebrand. We'll be dropping his podcast episode as he runs an excavation company. Uh, my buddy, best friend, Dakota DeJarles, just uh, had his 30th birthday yesterday. So lots going on. Uh, the small circles having some good celebrations. It's about to be 90 this weekend. I have another friend visiting my seventh or eighth group of people already visiting since I've lived here at the basically November. Uh, so only a few months, seven, eight groups of people. Uh, we're going to have a good weekend. Let's catch some Supercross this weekend. UFC 287. I mean, Easter weekend. Have a good time. 
spend it with your loved ones, spend it with your circle, and we'll, we're going to dive right in because, like I said, we got lots to talk about. So we got some fights that have been booked. We got Steven Wonderboy Thompson, Michelle Piera. I mean, whoo-wee. Talk about a stylistic matchup. That's UFC 289. You got to put the big dogs on the pay-per-view. And this one is going to be a straight kickboxing affair. If you want action, this is the fight for you. Um, <clears throat> we had Jake Matthews pull out against the fight against Gabe Green. So Gabe Green's going to take on Ultimate Fighter alum Brian Battle May 13th. Coming up soon. Dana White Contender Series alum Blake Builder right back in action taking on Kyle Nes Nelson. A good step up in competition, UFC 289, as that card's getting rounded out. Also on 289, we have Matt Schnell versus David Dvorak. That's going to be an awesome flyweight scrap. And Dan Ige versus Nate Landwehr. Coming right back, getting that action, uh, getting 50K Ige. I mean, these stylistic matchups, that, that's what it's all about. We also have Michael Johnson versus Carlos Diego Fieta. May 20th. Again, these fights are going to be straight chaos, straight action. Expect that with Fiera and Michael Johnson. Talking about violence, how about Josh Emmett and Aaliyah Topiria? June 17th, five-round main event. Um, yeah, that's going to be uh, box office. Grab your popcorn. Get ready in May, or excuse me, in June. And then just announced, I believe last night, Amanda Ribas, Macy Barber, two of the best young talent in women's MMA uh, going down June 24th. So lots of great matchups happening in the UFC. And obviously the, the headline that really shocked the world, WWE sold to the Endeavor, Endeavor Group. So basically the UFC now owns the WWE. Supposedly they're going to keep things pretty tight. A lot of the same crew with the WWE. But now we have a powerhouse of a promotion and I'm sure you will see a lot more UFC fighters entering that WWE octagon surprise showings and just getting people hyped up. I'm not a huge WWE fan, but it's cool to see, um, you know, what a, what a, a life Dana White has had since entering combat sports. And uh, he's really done it the right way. We have a big boxing bout announced. Boxing, uh, I really do feel... Like uh, the Tank Davis fight, Ryan Garcia has really set the tone. Terrence Crawford, Earl Spence Jr., June 17th. I mean, this is as good as it gets for boxing. Two of the highest level guys. Um, that's going to be a fun one in the summertime. And then we had Bellator 293. You know, my whole thing coming into this week with no UFC was, what's going to be the better show? What's going to try to tie me in and be a fan? Bellator, PFL, or Gamebred Boxing? Well, I was able to watch back PFL because I'm an ESPN Plus subscriber. I didn't get to watch any of these in the midst of a 30th birthday celebration. Um, Bellator, I did not catch uh, besides the Bryce Meredith prelim, the free YouTube stuff. And then Gamebred, I thought I could watch on Fight Pass, but it was a pay-per-view. And I am not paying 50 bucks for that pay-per-view, but I saw a lot of clips. It looked like a good setup. I will say the prelims that you could watch for Gamebred, I like the Fight Pass setup. I like who they had at the desk, who they had for analysis. Uh, PFL was just not a lot of good of, of showings on the fights. There was a lot of wrestle fucking and just straight grappling. And then Bellator, um, there wasn't a huge card. Obviously, love to see Bryce misfit Meredith get the win. 
Um, but if I were to, from a half acidly back end perspective, pick who did the better show, I would go lean towards PFL and Gamebred pretty close on those two. I mean, Anthony Pettis, Roy Jones Jr. getting like $2 million purses. Uh, Ronaldo Souza, Vitor Belfort went down. Jose Aldo was a draw, but it was a scrap. So, you know, it's pretty close. But the PFL, I do like their production more than Bellator. Bellator just does, it ain't it. It just, I don't vibe with it that well. I try to give it a chance. I've given it more of a chance than anything. Uh, but we'll see. So, UFC, or Bellator 293. The big main event, we had Kat Zingano defeat Liam McCourt via unanimous decision. Pretty uh, lopsided fight there. Vladimir Tokov defeating Lance Gibson via round one knockout. Uh, great knockout. Did not get to see that. I'm sure that could have spiced up the card a little bit. I, I picked those two fighters to win, so no surprises. And then, of course, your boy Bryce Meredith beating Brandon Carrillo via round two rear naked choke. Um, let his hands go a little bit. Definitely was focused on the wrestling, was able to get the submission, and he stays undefeated in a huge promotion. Lots of exciting things coming up next for Bryce Meredith. And then uh, Mike Hamill defeating Nick Brown, round one TKO. It was a great fight. So good showings by Bryce, Mike. No, no surprises on who won in all these fights. Switching gears to PFL, um, Brendan Lognane defeat Mar defeated Marlon Marias, ex-UFC stud, via round one TKO, but via leg kicks. Um, Marlon didn't take a lot of damage up top, but his legs got shredded and, and he couldn't walk. Uh, Brandon Longnane shows that he belongs uh, with some of the best in his division. And I'm not too surprised about this. I'm just glad we didn't have to see Marlon take more brain damage. And then another UFC are taking a loss. Robert Wilkerson wrestling and grappling, grappling Tiago Santos and winning via unanimous decision. Wilkerson looked pretty solid. I would love to see him in the UFC. And then Will Fleury defeating Christoph Jocko via split decision. This was a very close fight. Uh, this was one I definitely got wrong. You know, I picked Lognane and Santos. Um, I'm not surprised Santos lost. I didn't know Wilkinson was a grappler like that. And the Christoph Jocko fight, yeah, I thought he was going to handle business, but it was a very, very close fight. And as I tried telling y'all, Bubba Jenkins, baby, defeating Chris Wade via unanimous decision. Great win for Bubba Jenkins. But PFL's back. They got all these back-to-back -back weeks. We get another event this weekend. Actually, I think it's today. Let's see. Let me double check here. Again, I have a friend flying in today, so I won't be able to watch this live. But I got ESPN, the beauty. I won't be watching UFC 287 live either. It breaks my heart. Uh, but I will be watching it first thing Sunday morning. Yep, April 7th, 4 p.m. We have it at the Virgin Hotels in Vegas. I'm going to have to catch one of these events in Vegas. I saw Bellator to see what PFL's like in person. But we got the... The, the woman that shocked the world, beating Kayla Harrison, Larissa Pacheco, taking on a very good Julia Budd. Denise Goldsov taking on Jorgen DeCastro, just been training with John Jones, uh, ex-UFC fighter. Marcelo Nunez versus Maurice Green, another guy in John Jones's camp in Maurice Green. That should be a fun one. And then Olena Kolesinik versus Aspen Ladd. I'm going all UFC and going Larissa Pacheco. I think that Pacheco fight's going to be really close down to the wire. And wouldn't be surprised if these fights went the other way. I don't know a lot about the other guys, but I'm interested to see the level of competition compared to these ex-UFCers. You know, Jorgen, Maurice, a little reckless. <clears throat> probably seemed their better days, but Aspen Ladd, really interested to see how she does there. 
And then Jorge Masvidal, still on the show this weekend. His show stole the show last week, man. Big purses, big names, big cojones. Uh, we had Anthony Pettis defeat Roy Jones Jr. Uh, via majority decision. Um, it seemed like it was a good scrap fighting a Hall of Famer. Roy Jones showed out um, at, like, what, 50 years old? Some shit like that. For $2 million? Come on, you're a boxer. 54? Golly. I, I hope I I'm healthy enough to throw hands at 54. Got to make that happen. Uh, Vitor Belfort defeating Ronaldo Souza via unanimous decision. Belfort has good boxing. Souza looking shredded. Uh, saw some clips. Looked like an awesome fight. And probably fight of the night, although it's a sucky um, decision. Jose Aldo and Jeremy Stevens declared majority draw. But those guys are throwing smoke and getting after it. Uh, straight chaos. And then Gina Mazzani defeated Pearl Gonzalez via majority decision. What a weekend of MMA outside of the UFC. So bravo to the other promotions. Again, I think PFL Gamebred showed out at Bellator's just, uh, I don't know. And they had a good name uh, in Kat Zingano on the card. But if it wasn't for me knowing Mike Hamill and Bryce Meredith and rooting for them, it would really give, I would give zero shits for that. But enough of this nonsense. Let's talk about the creme de la creme UFC 287. Man, I wish I was headed to the 305 right meow. Uh, but we have early prelims on UFC Fight Pass, 2 p.m. Pacific tomorrow, manana. Prelims ESPN, prime time, 4 p.m. Pacific. Tune the fuck in. If you got ESPN Plus, you can be like me and watch it back. But we're starting in the early prelims. This is a short notice affair. We have Ignacio La Juala Bahamandez, 25 years old, 13 and 4 record, taking on Trey Samurai Ghost Ogden, 33 year old fighter with a 16 and 5 record. Again, short notice fight, but I think it's a fun one, maybe even better than the original fight that was booked. We get the young up and coming Bahamandez in a catchweight affair. Seems like he's dealt with a couple of these recently. And he's taking on a veteran that's newer to the UFC, but's looking to make a statement on a huge card in front of Miami. Um, when we break it down, Ignacio is a contender series LFA and Titan FC alum. He has a three and a half inch reach advantage. He's a tall, lanky guy for this class. Well, even though it's catch weight. He's on a two fight winning streak and nine of his 13 wins are via knockout. Trey is on a one-fight winning streak. He is 1-1 one one in the UFC. 11 of his 16 wins are via submission. Three of his five losses are also via submission. He is an LFA, Titan FC, and Bellator alum. And honestly, I've really enjoyed what I've seen from Baja Mondes in his young career so far. I, I don't think it really helps that he's taken this matchup at a bigger weight on short notice. But I think he'll find a way with his well-rounded striking to get a finish. Um, if Trey tries to wrestle him, that would be his path to victory. But I'm going with Baja Mondes. He's the Vegas favorite. We putting him on that parlay. We marking that ish down. And we getting that bread. And, you know, fingers crossed, knock on wood. The weigh-ins already happened this morning. All these fights should be happening. Sometimes there's some crazy shit late. But that's what's kind of nice about talking about on Friday is there's no ifs, ands, or buts. All this shit's going down. And then... A very fun fight in the early prelims. Cynthia Cavillo, 35-year-old fighter with a 9-5-1 and, uh, record. And the number 15 next to her name coming back down to flyweight, taking on 
Lupe Godinez, 29-year-old fighter with an 8-3 and three record. Now, honestly, there is a lot of matchups like this on the women's side of things where we're getting, you know, the veterans, the OGs that brought women's MMA to reality and have really had a great career against this new breed of women that are just killers. And um, I'm really excited to see this one go down, especially Cynthia looked great at weigh-ins, uh, you know, dropping weight classes. Cynthia has a BJJ wrestling and Muay Thai background. She trains out of AKA with a bunch of dogs. She's the 2017 newcomer of the year. She's on a four-fight losing streak. She has only fought once in um, last year in 2022, so hasn't been super active. She does have a three-inch reach advantage, and she's an LFA alum. Now, Lupita has a purple belt in BJJ. She is an LFA alum and former champion. She has the record for shortest span between three fights in modern UFC history in 42 days. That's very, very impressive. She is on a one-fight losing streak, but was 1-1 one and one in 2022. And I honestly think this is a very tough fight to call. It's back and forth. I think Cynthia could be fighting for her UFC life here. That's why she moved down after her last loss. I do feel like Lupita is ready to showcase that she could beat high-level talent, could beat an experienced fighter. But I think Cavillo understands what's on the line here. She's going to stick to her game plan. She's going to keep things close, not let Lupita get those big shots. Um, she's going to try to put her up against the cage. I think it's going to be who has the best cardio, who can out, uh, outlast the other fighter and get the decision. I'd be surprised if there was a finish here. But when we look at what Vegas is saying, let's see. They got Cynthia as the plus 225 underdog. Uh, so we're... We're, we're betting on the dogs. I don't have balls to put this on a parlay, maybe an underdog parlay, but I'm picking the underdog. We're taking Cavillo in the picks. And then moving into the prelims, another short notice changeup. Uh, we had Chris Barnett pulling out last week. So insert Carl Williams, the 33-year-old fighter with an 8-1 and one record, taking on Chase the Vanilla Gorilla Sherman. 33 years old with a 16 and 11 record. And this is a matchup of two men in their primes, 33 years old, uh, but with a little bit different momentum behind them. And Vegas has Sherman as uh, quite, quite the big underdog. When we break these guys down, Chase is an orthodox fighter. He trains out of Sanford MMA. He has a purple belt in kickboxing, a blue belt in BJJ. He's been in and out of the UFC, had his fair share of ups and downs. He is a former BKFC alum and former champion and also Titan FC alum. He is on a one-fight losing streak. He is 1-5 since the beginning of 2021. Has been very active, just hasn't got a lot of dubs. 15 of his 16 wins are via knockout. Four of his 11 losses are also via knockout. He's a big guy. He throws hands to knock out or to be knocked out. Now, Carl trains out of American Top Team. He's on a five-fight winning streak. He is a Dana White Contender Series, Icon FC, and PFL alum. And clearly, Carl's full of momentum coming in here. He just came off a win March 11th in his UFC debut. Quick turnaround, taking on Chase, who's searching for a win. Again, is fighting for his career at this point. I expect Chase to be able to use his experience for his advantage. I've picked him to do this on this kind of rut he's on and have failed before he's a plus 
3.30 underdog. Like I said, some fun dogs to pick. Worth a couple of dollars on an underdog parlay. I'm going to take the Vanilla Gorilla. I ain't putting them on a parlay unless it's an underdog. But I'm picking Chase. We betting on them dogs. They coming to eat. And uh, Miami's about to get a show. These guys are putting someone to sleep. Also in the prelims, we have Ger- Gerald GM3 Mearshart, the 35-year-old fighter with a 35-15 and 15 record. What a record. Taking on Joe Body Bags Pfeiffer. Be like Joe. 26 years old, 9-2 and two record. Now, this fight's going to be a fun one. We get the veteran who, you know, definitely proves uh, the odds wrong quite a bit of times. And we're getting the young stud Dana White Contender Series alum that Dana White loves that's been putting on a show. And, you know, Joe really came in the scene after that Contender Series first round finish. He even beat Eric Anders recently in a Fury Grappling, uh, Fury Pro Grappling event. So the all eyes on Joe Pfeiffer. Make sure if you're in Miami going to the event, go before the prelims. Try to get there early prelims. Good fights. It's a long day. A couple, a few margaritas, a little tequila in that arena for eight hours. You'd be swerving. Uh, but we got Gerald as a BJJ kickboxing and taekwondo background. He trains out of Killcliffe FC. He has a black belt in Rufu Sport Kickboxing, a black belt in BJJ. He has the most submission wins in UFC middleweight history with nine of them things. The second most finishes in UFC middleweight division history with 10. The highest finishes per win percentage in UFC history, 10 finishes and 10 wins. RFA and, uh, alum and former champion, Titan FC and King of the Cage alum as well. Again, savvy veteran, GM3. 27 of his 25 wins are, or 25 of his 27 wins are via submission. Eight of his five losses are also via submission. He is on a one fight winning streak and he was one and one in 2022. And he does have a two and a half inch reach advantage. Now, Joe Body Bags is on a three fight winning streak. He's a contender series two time alum, a Cage Fury and Ring of Combat alum. And seven of his 10 wins are via knockout. Uh, simply, this is the biggest fight in Joe's career. He's taking on GM3. That's a big task. He has passed every test to this date with flying colors. I guess besides his first uh, Dana White contender series loss against Dustin Stoltzfus, but there was an elbow injury there. I would not be surprised if Gerald found a way to win. Uh, maybe get a little submission going. But I just have a feeling Joe is going to keep showing out. He's going to come hot right out the bell. Look to get this fight finished. Miami's going to go crazy. And Joe's going to keep moving up the ladder board. We're putting body bags on that parlay. We marking that ish down. And we getting that bread. Moving in. We got Michelle the Karate Hottie Watterson Gomez. 37-year-old fighter with an 18-10 and 10 record. And the number 10 next to her name. Taking on Luana Pinheiro, the 29-year-old fighter with a 10-1 and record and the number 15 next to her name. Karate Hottie looking shredded for these weigh-ins, man. You know, she, she was definitely on her way to the title run in her prime. Wasn't able to leap the top of the division. So now she's getting a contender series alum who looks like a problem. It's going to be really interesting to see how Michelle shows out here. And Vegas is betting against her plus 138 dog. Uh, but Michelle, as you know, trains out of Jackson Wink MMA. She has a black belt in freestyle karate. 
a brown belt in BJJ. She is an Evicta alum and former champion and a King of, Ca- King of the Cage alum. She had the 2013 fight of the year against Jessica Penne. She is on a two-fight losing streak. She only fought once last year. Nine of her 18 wins are via submission. Four of her 10 losses are also via submission. But it looks like she's dedicated some time to get in shape, get this shit together. She's always been in shape, but she looks in phenomenal. Dude, she, her quad muscles are just yacked out for fucking weigh-ins is wild. The karate hottie about to fuck some shit up. Um, Luana is on an eight-fight winning streak. She is a Dana White Contender Series and Brave uh, FC alum. She is 3-0 in the UFC. Five of her 10 wins are also via submission. Maybe better submission on this bout. Who knows? And she does have a two and a half inch reach advantage. Now, a great matchup here. It's all about Michelle defending her spot in the rankings, if you ask me. Not letting the young bloods, the unexperienced Luana, carry her, uh, control her on the canvas, leap her in the rankings. I'm putting money on the dog. I'm confident enough. We putting that on the parlay. We getting the dogs. We marking that ish down. And we getting that bread. <laughs> Moving on. We got Kelvin Gastelum, 31 years old, with a 17-8 and eight record, and the number 14 next to his name, taking on Chris Action Man Curtis, the 35-year-old with a 30-9 and nine record, and the number 15 next to, the, to his name. What a matchup that we get here. Finally, Kelvin getting back to the octagon. Had the staph infection or tooth mouth issue before. It's been so long. It's anticipated. I've been following Gasolum since the Ultimate Fighter when he was the last pick. Ended up winning the damn show. Chris Curtis, in and out of the UFC. The guy has been in every promotion and done everything. Finally getting his, his uh, opportunity. Finally getting his flowers. Number 14, number 15. These guys are fighting. Um especially Chris, who's towards the end of his prime, you know, fighting for some big things at stake. Chris loses here. He's probably not getting back in the top 15 anytime soon, although he's one of the more active guys. He's action man. But I can't believe that Kelvin Gastelum's only 31 years old. Just now entering his prime, it feels like he's been around forever. One of the better fighters to challenge Adesanya. It's on the prelims, which is kind of a disrespect if you ask me. But this is going to be a fun display we're getting a good boxer in Chris. I think Kelvin is more of a well-rounded MMA fighter. He's going to use some grappling. Curtis has got some good uh, grappling defense. Let's see what happens. Now, Kelvin, he's a southpaw fighter. He trains out of Kings MMA. He has a black belt in BJJ. He has a Juco wrestling background out of North Idaho College. He is the ultimate fighter alum and champion of Tough 17. He was the 2014 Breakthrough Fighter of the Year. He had the 2019 matchup of the year against Israel Adesanya. He is on a two-fight losing streak, and he hasn't fought since 2021 where he went one and two. So he's really trying to come out in a vengeance. He's looking great. Chris trains out of Extreme Couture. He has a purple belt in BJJ. He is a Dana White Contender Series and PFL alum. He is on a one-fight winning streak. He was 2-1 in 2021 or 2022. The guy's active. 17 of his 30 wins are via knockout, and he has a 4-inch reach advantage. Uh, Kelvin's the minus 132 favorite here. I'm feeling good about Kelvin. Chris would be a good underdog play, and he's definitely shocked a lot of fighters. Action Man has put me, uh, put my words where my mouth is, uh, definitely proved me wrong. 
He's been in the UFC looking good, but Kelvin, man, has to get back on track all this time off. He should be attacking this fight like it's a championship bout. Can't wait. I'm taking Kelvin. We putting him on that parlay. We marking that ish down, and we getting that bread. Again, in the prelims, Savage. Now we head to the main card. We get Youngblood, Raul, El Nino, Problema, Rosas Jr., the 18 undefeated, 18 year old undefeated fighter with a 7 0 record, taking on Christian C. Rod Rodriguez, the 25 year old fighter with an 8 1 record. Oh, and he missed weight. He's getting fined 20% of his purse. Now, Raul trains out of 10th Planet, La- 10th Planet Las Vegas. Five of his seven wins are via submission. He is undefeated and on a seven-fight winning streak. He is a Dana White Contender Series alum, and he has a three-and-a-half-inch leg reach advantage. Christian is on a one-fight winning streak. He is an LFA Cage Fury and Bellator alum. He is 2-1 and one in the UFC, including his Contender Series fight he won and didn't earn a contract from. Four of his eight wins are via submission, three via knockout, so seven of his eight fights are via finish. And he does have a four and a half inch reach advantage. So he has a four and a half inch leg, uh, reach advantage, but um, Raul has a three and a half inch leg reach advantage, which is interesting. Now, obviously, this is probably going to be Raul's toughest test yet. I think he's going to find a way to use his frame. He's, he's got a big frame for a young blood in this division. I've, I think he's going to get Christian down, find a way to attack that submission. He's very relentless, durable. And he's got some smooth grappling, man. I'm taking the 18-year-old. Never thought I'd say that. But we putting him on that parlay. He's going to show out open in the main card. We marking that ish down. And we getting that bread. You know, maybe get his mom another minivan. Then we got the drama coming. Wherever the Trailblazer goes, there's some drama. We got Kevin Trailblazer Holland. 30 years old with a 23-9 and record. Taking on Santiago, the Argentine dagger, Ponzanibio, 36 years old with a 30 and 6 record. You want to talk about, let's put two styles together, man. What an amazing matchup we get. The always game Holland in his prime and the veteran who's been active, who's looking to get the momentum back on his side. Uh, Kevin has a second degree black belt in Kung Fu, a black belt in BJJ. He is a Dana White Contender Series, Bellator, LFA, and King of the Cage alum. He's on a two-fight losing streak. Uh, he was 2-2 two and two last year in 2022, active even though he retired at one point. He said, give me the bag. 13 of his 23 wins are via knockout. Three of his last four fights have been performance of the night or fight of the night. He is tied for the most wins in a calendar year with five of them things. He's got the most bouts in a 12-month period in UFC history with seven. He was a 2020 male fighter and breakout fighter of the year, and he has an eight-inch reach advantage. Now, Santiago trains out of American Top Team. He has a black belt in BJJ. He is an Ultimate Fighter Brazil alum. Four of his last six fights have been fight of the night or performance of the night. I've seen him twice in Vegas, like I'm saying. Must see TV. Don't blink. He is on a one-fight winning streak. He is 1-1 last year. 
and 16 of his 29 wins are via knockout. I think we're going to get one hell of a kickboxing fight here. I think that Kevin has been so active against good competition that it's going to help him in that regard. He did really fuck his hand up against Wonder Boy recently in December, though. And I'm a little worried that it's not fully healed. It looked pretty fucked up. So he may be rushing things. And against a guy that's straight, solid, Argentine fucking muscle and that will throw that smoke right back. I mean, Santiago is a dog. Uh, he'll bring you to deep waters. So you can't wait to see how this one plays out. Can't wait. I'm taking Kevin. I'm taking Big Mouth. We're putting Trailblazer on that parlay. We marking that ish down. And we gain that bread. A little skeptical with the hand, though. Ugh, I'm still putting him on the parlay. And I believe he is the favorite. Uh, yes, he is. Then we get Rob Font, the 35-year-old fighter with a 19-6 and record and the number six next to his name, taking on Adrian Yanez, the 29-year-old fighter with a 16-3 and record and the number 12 next to his name. Now, what can we not say about the bantamweight division? This division just continues to show out. We get the savvy veteran and Rob Font at the edge of his prime, taking on the young showman, first press conference on the main card in Miami, and Adrian Yanez, who is just scratching the surface of his potential right before his prime at 29 years old. Now, Rob is an orthodox fighter. He has a brown belt in BJJ. He is on a two-fight losing streak and hasn't won since May of 2021 against Cody Garbrandt. Eight of his 19 wins are via knockout. And three of his last five fights have been fight of the night or performance of the night, even though he's taken L's. Rob likes to slang and bang. Now, Adrian is an orthodox fighter. He has a black belt in BJJ. And his last five fights have been performance of the night or fight of the night. All UFC fights. I mean, it's going to be one hell of a fight. He is on a nine-fight winning streak and is 6-0 in the UFC. He is a Dana White Contender Series LFA Legacy FC and Bellator alum, and 10 of his 16 wins are via knockout. Now, this is a big jump in competition for Yanez. I think he is more than capable, but Rob is a very, very serious boxer. He's got that nasty jab. He talked about it. Already this week, he's an amazing striker. I think it will be really interesting to see if either fighter mixes in some grappling here. I think that Rob is going to show that he is still a top fighter in the bantamweight division. I think he outscores Adrian in three rounds. Adrian might have some big moments. I don't think we're going to see the Cheeto piece, you know, one-two chicken sandwich where he just destroyed Rob Font's face and the damage really scores for him. So I'm taking the underdog. We got Rob Font. At plus 152 um, odds, I'm putting them on our parlay. The dogs are eating. We marking that ish down, and we getting that bread. Then we have the Miami Showcase, the co-main event of the evening, Gilbert Darino Burns, the 36-year-old fighter with a 21-5 and record and the number five next to his name, taking on Jorge Gamebred Masvidal, the 38-year-old fighter with a 35-16 and 16 record. Woo! 51 fights and the number 11 next to his name. Now, the odds are heavily favoring... Uh, 
heavily, heavily favoring Burns, I don't blame him with that. There's just levels to this game, and I believe Gilbert's up here, Masvidal's right here. Masvidal could do everything he wants, but Burns is way too well-rounded. We saw it in the Kamzat fight. I mean, Burns has been cleaning house, uh, and Masvidal's just not at those levels. But Masvidal has one thing, and that's some serious fucking knock-you-the-fuck-out power. I'm not betting on that happening, but you never know. It's in his hometown. He's putting his career on the line. He says, I take a loss. I'm probably out. So it's about to go down. Now, Gilbert trains with the baddest of the bad in Killcliffe FC. He has a BJJ background with a third-degree black belt. He got third place in ADCC Worlds in 2015, which is the best uh, grappling competition you can get to. He was the 2010 and 2013 IBJJF no-gi champion and the 2011 gi champion. He's on a one-fight winning streak. His only losses since 2018 are Kamzat Chemaev and Kamaru Usman. Just saying. Nine of his 21 wins are via submission. Now, Jorge trains out of ATT. He's the baddest motherfucker on the planet. He's got that belt. He's got the fastest knockout in UFC history. Your boy was there on his birthday. 0.5 seconds against Ben Askren. Or five seconds. 2019 knockout of the year against Ben Askren, which also earned him the 2019 breakthrough fighter of the year. He is on a three-fight losing streak. 16 of his 35 wins are via knockout. He is a strike force and Bellator alum, and he does surprisingly have a three-inch reach advantage. I think Gilbert comes in and goes for the takedowns early. He's going to tire George out. He's going to get the striking opening up later if needed. It's going to be just like the Wonder Boy fight. I'm easily putting my money on Burns. Depending on the book, if you could get him under minus 500, I'm seeing right at minus 500 right now. I found a book where I got it under there. I think 480. So we putting uh, Burns on that parlay. We marking that ish down, and we getting that bread. Then this motherfucking fight, man. Izzy's mindset, the press conferences. I didn't really like the dog collar thing, him being unleashed. I can't wait to see the drama of the walkout. Pieta Poetan is a fucking savage. I mean, if you would tell Dana White, anybody in the UFC brass, this is what they have for the main event these days. Shit's insane. I wouldn't be surprised if Izzy wins, we get a trilogy. That's how much hype is behind this thing. We got Israel, the last style bender, Adesanya, the 33-year-old fighter with a 23-2 record and the number one next to his name, taking on the champion, Alex Poetan Pieta, the 35-year-old fighter with a 7-1 record. God damn, I can't wait for this one. Again, you could debate not only one of the more anticipated rematches ever for the UFC, but of all time in mixed martial arts. Although Izzy is 0-2 in kickboxing, he welcomes the challenge. If, if you could tell me someone's mindset's clicking on all cylinders, this motherfucker's got it, man. He dominated that last fight. Granted, Kamaru dominated the first fight against Leon Edwards, and we just saw how that played out. But Alex is so raw. Eight fights in the UFC are professional fights. He has shown how fast he can learn. He's got a great camp. He's got a great crew. But it's the style bender we talk about. We talk about practice. Now, Israel is a former middleweight champion with five successful title defenses. He obviously has a kickboxing background. 
He trains out of City Kickboxing. He has a purple belt in BJJ. He was a King in the Ring kickboxing champion and Super 8 boxing champion. He had the 2016 Glory Middleweight Contender Tournament winner, the 2017 Fight of the Year for kickboxing against Alex Pieta, the most knockdowns in a UFC title fight with four. He had the second longest winning streak in middleweight division history with 12. The second most title fight wins in UFC middleweight division history was seven. He was a 2018 Newcomer of the Year, 2019 Fight of the Year against Kelvin Gastelum, 2019 Male Fighter of the Year. He was on a one-fight losing streak after a three-fight winning streak, and 15 of his 23 wins are via knockout. Now, Alex is an orthodox fighter. He trains out of Tashira MMA and fitness. He has a black belt in kickboxing, a brown belt in BJJ. Three of his four UFC fights were performance of the night. 2022 male uh, fighter of the year, breakout fighter of the year. In glory, he was the 2019 and 2021 light heavyweight champion and the 2014 and 2017 middleweight champion. He was the 2019 glory fighter of the year, 2017 fighter of the year against Izzy in glory, the 2019 knockout of the year against Jason Wilness in kickboxing. He's on a seven-fight winning streak. He is 4-0 in the UFC, and six of his seven wins are via knockout. These resumes speak for themselves if you watch the first fight. If you don't know, now you fucking know. I am really interested to see how Izzy comes out of the gates. He's been fucking grappling in practice. He even shows it. He talked about it. He hinted at it. I almost expect him to be way more active than he was early in the first fight. He had a great start. He almost got the finish. I think he pours it on Poetan. You got to suffer him where he can't even land a shot. I think the MMA fighter that Israel is has a lot more to offer than Alex. But again, it's like Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury. That raw fucking power can turn the lights the fuck off. It can happen. I'm not betting on it. I'm taking Israel. Adesanya. And new, we're marking them on that parlay. We marking that is down, and we getting that bread. I can't wait. Can't fucking wait. But guess what? Next week, another one. Hyphy, Kansas City. It's a banger. Max Holloway, Arnold Allen. Are you fucking kidding me? 4.30 Pacific on ESPN. It's going down in the MMA world. It's Friday. Have a good Easter weekend. Hey, put some money on those dogs. I'm telling you, they're coming to eat. Can't wait. Again, I'm your host, Shane Gillette. Can't wait. The rebranding coming soon. See y'all next week.